1: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, Lu, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors close the cursed 2020-2021 season from Tampa Bay with yet another loss. Their what is their record this year? 45th loss. Yes, they were 27 and 45 to end the season. Uh, and they lost by a score of 125 to 113 against the Indiana Pacers who. Hopefully this is, um, I mean, I know this is what the Pacers wanted. um, So hopefully they can do something with this in terms of the play-in series. And we'll see how they go. Um, But, yeah, for the Raptors, honestly, I think the biggest feeling is relief in a way. Um, (laughs) Just that it's over. I mean, first off, the last few games have been really dreadful. Uh, Obviously, that Mavericks game was was fun, right? And don't want to take anything away from that, you know. Jalen Harris, um, Mr. We the North with... um, 31 points, um, but, you know, I, I think it's been a, it's been a, (laughs) it's been a drag watching some of these last games where they've rested everybody, you know, there was some thought, you know, maybe we bring some of the guys back for the last game, you know, just, you know, some sort of send off, and there was none of that, and instead the Raptors came into this game with six players, um, that's all they had was six guys, (laughs) I guess some other guys were available to play, but, um. No, just six played tonight, man. And uh, some real adventurous moments for those six guys, I would say. Um, you know, at one point, there was obviously the only six guys. And Malachi has to rest for a bit. Although Malachi only rested for two minutes. Okay, he played 46 minutes. Okay, it's good to be young. Um, but he had to rest. And when that happened, what that meant was the Raptors played a lineup with Freddie Gillespie at center. Kem Birch at power forward. DeAndre Bembry at point guard. Stanley Johnson at shooting guard. And Aaron Baines as their small forward. Yes, I mean, obviously he's not a small forward. He's clearly a center. But um, he had to play some small forward. Like, that's really how tough it got at at times today. Obviously, um, you know, the season being over and the game's not meaning anything. It was uh, it was another tough watch, and you know I'm happy for the Pacers. I'm happy for Nate, Nate Bjork and obviously uh, the hit piece hit piece came out on Nate, and it seems like the Pacers are probably going to move on from him in the off season, kind of letting him play off the string. You know, he obviously the play in tournament. We'll see what happens there, but you know I don't really think the Pacers are going anywhere this season. Um, but you know I'm, I'm happy at least he got this win. I'm happy that uh, the Raptors had a real public show of support for him. Obviously, we knew Nick was going to back up his guy. That's literally his guy. Like, if you've been holed up in a basement in Iowa um, in the summer of 2011 or whatever it was, drawing up plays on a whiteboard, type them into an Excel spreadsheet for the entire summer, um, then yeah, Nick's probably going to back you up. (laughs) And so we knew that. But we saw a lot of the players go over and and meet up with Nate Bjorken. We saw that in the game. Kyle Larry go over and give, Nick, uh, give Nate a big hug. Nate looked very emotional. And, you know, even Masai, which you never really see Masai come out and, and sort of um, involve himself with the players in that way. He's more waiting in the tunnel to give OG a fist bump after OG flipped Dennis Schroeder, which is still... I mean, I'm, I'm working on a season-end, like, 10 things in terms of, like, to remember the season by. And that has to be... That has to be on that list, I'm thinking right now. I'm going to make a mental note to myself to, to add that to my list because it wasn't there originally. But, you know, you don't see Masai usually involving himself, but even Masai came out and gave you know, Nate a big hug. And, you know, Nick said that, you know, in, in summer when the Raptors or not even when the Raptors, but once the, the, the uh, team Canada plays the qualifying tournament in um, end of June. Nick will be coaching, obviously he's free to coach, season's end for him, Um, but yeah, he will look forward to having Nate on that roster as well, so, you know, you read into that what you will, but um, as for the game itself, yeah, I mean, (laughs) completely forgettable, Uh, if I'm not gonna, if I'm gonna be completely honest with you, so I'm very dedicated to this job, and I will watch like every second of every game, I'll probably rewatch games, break down tape, um, you know, everything. I'm writing about the game, podcasting about the game, talking about it, you know, uh, interviewing the players, all this, the coaches, everything like that. Obviously, I'm like, very dedicated to this, okay? But, i have to say, one time this season, I did not really follow the first quarter. And uh, that was because Liverpool was playing. <laughs> they were playing for their lives. They are trying to catch up to uh, Champions League after they've had a really down season. And, um, yeah, shout out Allison, man, the, the keeper. Um Scoring a header in the ninety-fifth minute to uh, to 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 give Liverpool a two-one win over um, West Brom. It was uh, it's an amazing goal, really. Uh, and so I was celebrating that for a solid fifteen minutes. And so I did miss much of the first quarter. And apparently, Bembry had close to a dozen points at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, can you really blame me? I mean this is this, this was the this was um, this was the one exception at the end of the season. You know, I was. Um, I was out with, like some of the players were. Uh, you know, at one point, the camera panned to the bench. And you know how the Raptors have like, that this season they have, like... The bench is not, like, in one row as you normally would have the bench. The bench is, like, um, almost like if you go to the TIFF light box and you go to one of those, like, smaller uh, theaters in the third floor, like, they're, you know, exclusive big chairs that, like, kind of, like, um, are separated and things like that. And, yeah, I mean, Jalen Harris was, like, the only guy there, like the camera panned to the bench and it was just Jalen Harris, like 25 bottles of bile steel and um, yeah, it honestly reminded me of like taking the the 1230 uh, last bus from Toronto to Hamilton, like the go bus, like that's that's what it was looking like for Jalen Harris over there but you know, I mean, you know, it, it was the end of the season and they only had these six guys and they just rolled the ball out, I mean, did they compete? Yeah, they competed and they didn't get blown out which has been my biggest goal, don't get blown out just, you know, keep the scores respectable and that's what they did Um, You know, did they have any tangible game plan necessarily to stop the Pacers? No, you don't come up with a tangible game plan that involves your rotation being only six guys and three of them being centers, okay? That's just, um, you know, that's just not what it is. But, um, you know, they played hard. Some guys showed some stuff. Again, I've been very hesitant to sort of take too much away from these things because there has just been so much inconsistency in the roster that it's very hard to assess some of these guys like you can let's say on one hand well listen Stanley Johnson's really stepped up the last few games you know he had the 35 point game the last game he was you know contributed offensively even though he was um, a little bit too eager in the first half and then today he had 24 points got to the line 11 times like you know you know and then seven assists you know like okay maybe with Stanley and it's like you know, Bembry has come on and done some things today at twenty three points. You know, nine of twenty two shooting. You know, really did a good job of slashing inside, and he's done that a couple of times. But like, I don't, I don't know. How do you evaluate that? Like, it's just very hard. Um, you know, on one hand, you might say, well, it's impressive that they did it considering they had so many players. You know, clogging the paint like the Raptors. Like I, I literally told you, like their lineup was. Bembry, Johnson, Baines, Birch, and Gillespie. I'm not even kidding you. The best three-point shooter in that group is Baines. Um, and so, you know, with with that little space on the floor, they can still create, isn't that impressive? And I'll say, yeah, yes and no. But, I mean, realistically, I think the Raptors had an extended look at some of these guys earlier in the year. Um, if you remember when the Raptors lost five players and, like, six coaches to COVID at once, there was that month in March, which we all forget, and because we want to, it was you know, they one in thirteen. Literally, the worst worst month of all time. And that's saying say something with the Raptors' history. Um, did we we had extended minutes for Stanley. We had extended minutes for Bembry, and, and you know there was only Kyle and Norm really to hold it down. Maybe Boucher occasionally, uh, but those guys weren't getting it done then. And so I don't really look too much into some of these performances. And if you want to say keep some of these guys, I mean, fine. I mean, again, I don't, I don't have anything against them. I like them all. They're, they were good soldiers. They, they played with the best of their abilities. But you know, are um, I mean, like I wonder how many guys who played in tonight's game will be back. Next season, right? Because there really is no guarantee for a lot of these guys. And I mean that literally. Um, you know, there's no guarantee in Freddie Gillespie's contract for next season. There's no guarantee in Bembry's contract for next season. You know, Stanley Johnson's coming up on free agency. We'll see what happens there. Uh, you know, Aaron Baines' contract is unguaranteed next season, and Ken Burchester free agent. So, like, there is a real chance that, like, you know, only one or two of these guys are back for next year. Um, obviously Flynn being the one guy who has a guaranteed, you know, contract being a first round pick and things like this, but, um, the game itself was, yeah, forgettable. I don't know. The Pacers play very differently than they did in previous years, so they play very fast, they play, uh, and they shoot a lot of threes and they're more willing to do all that, which is sort of like the thing that most teams in transition, um, from one coach to another have tried to do, like, you know, and and that was one of the critiques against Nick McMillan and... You know, I mean, dude. I mean, it's not only due to the coaching change, but um, the Pacers just don't look the don't look very good. I don't know, man. Um, turns out, like you can't just like efficient like turn everything into efficiency. Like there are some cases where the talent is going to be limiting, and I do think the Pacers' talent is so limited in what they do. But you know, they played well. I'm happy for O'Shea Brissett. He's really broken out here. I mean, it is a bit regrettable that the Raptors let him go. Um, not necessarily because I think that, like, this is some sort of, like, franchise-changing move. It's just, a, like, you know, I think O'Shea would have fit into the Raptors' timeline as a guy that, you know, they probably wanted to develop. And they did want to develop him. They signed him at first, you know, and uh, they, they got him to a two-way deal and stuff like that last season. And, and, you know, I guess it didn't really work out. And the Raptors had, you know, work basically a competition in training camp. And they kept Utah and they kept Paul Watson and all these other guys. And so... Um, you know, O'Shea was let go. But I'm very happy for O'Shea, personally, that he got a chance to play with the Pacers here. Um, his three-point shot looks a lot smoother, which is really good. Because we knew that he could be a hustle guy. You know, we've seen that in those games where, you know, obviously last year um, against Boston in the win um, on the 28th of December. When Pat McCaw had like a triple-double and, and O'Shea came in and really gave them a huge boost and they they won that game off boston which is the only win against boston last year in the regular season um so we've seen O'Shea with some potential but he's really kind of put it together in terms of that three-point shooting i mean he's hitting 40 percent, which is pretty impressive and i think the up-tempo style with the pacers fits uh what O'Shea likes to do of course i think he would have fit really well with the raptors as well but you know it, it's something you look back in hindsight and say like, well that's that's i'm happy for him but also damn i wish he was still on the team um but it, that's like a marginal thing. I mean, again, you're not going to bat 100 on all these acquisitions. Uh, you know, and really the best part of the game, I'm not even kidding, and there's no disrespect to the guys, the best part of the game was when Fred Van Vliet was on the broadcast for the third quarter. Um, first off, I love the cameo broadcasts. Uh, every time Drake did it, it was very, very fun to, to you know, obviously Drake being a very, um, amical, um, and, uh, gregarious kind of personality, and, I mean, li- I mean, he's literally one of the biggest celebrities in the world, um, but, you know, Fred did his best, <laughs> wasn't quite as good as, uh, as, as what Drake would normally do, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Fred came on was very honest, you know, very insightful, I think, um, that's, that's something you appreciate about Fred, and, you know he didn't have to come on the broadcast, but he chose to. I mean, you know, and listen, Fred has found many things to do while being rested. Um, we've seen him coach, and he's been coaching, and he, you know, made a good coaching adjustment in this game, uh, where he told Malachi Flynn, he, you know, he. I feel like Fred's the coach, but I feel like he's like only coaching Malachi. I don't, I don't know who else he's coaching. Maybe he's coaching other guys, but obviously the one connection we know is that he's taken. Um, Malachi as his young uh, Padawan, as they say. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, you know, he made a great adjustment, Coach Coach Fred, which he, he said at halftime, you know, when Malachi had only seven points on one of eight shooting in the first half, he told Malachi, yo, get off the ball, stop Trying to fight T.J. McConnell every single time down because he's going to be very scrappy and he's more physical than Malachi is at this point, considering he's much more developed as a player than, than Malachi is as a rookie. Um, stop fighting him on, you know, with the ball, you know get off the ball, try to get your offense that way, get some screens, you know, catch them by surprise and things like this, and it worked brilliantly. The second half, Malachi was way better. He had 20 points in the second half, he shot 50% from the field. Of course, making shots helps, and Malachi did miss some makeable shots in the first half with some of the threes he was taking, but it's great adjustment, and Malachi did work more off the ball. Stanley and DeAndre were more on the ball, and uh, it did help, get, it helped Malachi get going, and, you know, he, Malachi was three-point shot, three points shy of the 30 point club the Raptors obviously had 10 guys in that club this year and and, sh- and, and my apologies to Paul Watson I forgot um uh, when he had 30 points against Orlando uh including 21 in, in the third quarter and then he hasn't played since um so you know so, you know sometimes you do forget that someone when they don't play for a long time but um you know, 10 guys in the 30-point club, and Malik, was very close. He had a th- he jacked up a three at the end. I feel like he knew what was going on. He jacked up a three at the end, hoping to finally get to it, but he didn't get to it. In any case, career-high 27 is not bad. And, again, very, very good coaching adjustment by Fred, who, again, was the best part about this game. And so you take that what you will. Um, and Fred, you know, obviously touched on a lot of topics. And, um, you know, he revealed that, you know, they, they've been given, it's like Freddie Gillespie has like seven nicknames. And they've been calling him the Lobster Claw. Um, you know, I'm not totally sure why. I mean, you know, why not? Okay. Um, but, you know, on the whole, it's just it's good hearing from Fred. I mean, of course, we heard from Fred after the game as well. He did a season-end um, what would normally be his locker room clean-out interview. Let me see. Um, <laughs> well, the team was actually originally planning to do some of the players on on Monday. But it seems like they were very eager to get it done on set on Sunday. Um, which you know, fair play. Honestly, uh, I think people want to be done. You know, I don't know if people want to come in for an extra day of work. In any case, though, Fred was very generous with his time. I think he spoke for like twenty, twenty-five minutes um, post game, and he spoke for half an hour on the broadcast. Like, I, I just think that one thing you do appreciate with Fred is that, like, you know, I mean, this is not to sort of excuse, like, I'm not being excuse. This is not to like paper over like critiques of his game. I think that's fair. Um, And Fred spoke about it. You know, he's he's talked about sort of like, you know, he wants to improve his field goal percentage. He wants to do this and that. um, Which I think the field goal percentage is like the main thing people have a beef with Fred about. I don't really know what else you would really nitpick in his game, even though that is a pretty sizable nitpick. But, um, you know, I think one thing that you appreciate with Fred, though, is that, like, he's a very vocal leader for this club. Um, And everyone, you know, down to the new guys, down to the older guys – rookies like they they all speak about f- what what fred does for this club and um i think you need that leadership i think especially you know one thing that was said today which you know it was pretty apparent if you have if you've been watching this season but but today it was said out loud was that like yeah there's been a lot of transition this year going from kyle as the vocal leader to fred not that kyle is not i mean kyle's he's the godfather of this of this group he can come in and say whatever he wants but um you know there's there's sort of been an adjustment right you, you go from uh Man, it's been a while since I've seen The Godfather. You go from, like, Vito to 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 Michael a little bit. And Fred sort of stepping up in that Michael role. I hope I'm doing that analogy right. It's been a while since I've seen The Godfather, so I apologize. Um, great movies, obviously. Goes without saying. One and two. Three, not as much. Um, but, yeah, like, you will appreciate that portion of it. Because there have been really tough games where the Raptors lose. And, um, you know, and... Who's going to speak in those moments? And the Raptors had tons and tons of bad moments. And if you go back and listen through them, trust me, man, no player wants to speak during that stretch. No player wants to speak after they get killed by the Cavs or, you know, you know beaten by OKC and, you know, lose to Detroit, like all this other like you know, trash stuff that really happened the season. And it was always Fred who was always made available for Kyle as well. Um, but those two in particular. And I think that that stands out because – most of the time you hear from players after, you know, good things happen, right? You know, OG has a 30-point game. Let's bring out OG. He says 26 words, and then, you know, that's it, right? Or, like, um, you know, Pascal is 40. Let's bring Pascal out. We're going to talk about Pascal and things like this. Like, um, But I think who speaks during the the tough times is very, very revealing, and I think it's very clear who has been that guy. And so I appreciate Fred for that, of course. And, you know, I think Pascal did his season-end interview as well. Um, And so, you know... We'll see. I mean, it's going to be a long off season, um, which you know I, I know this trope keeps getting said, um, but <laughs> I mean, realistically, it's actually not going to be that long. of an off season, it's going to be a standard off season for the Raptors. Uh, obviously, this this uh, this twenty twenty one season has been um, protracted, so uh, it's and, and it's been delayed. So it started in obviously uh, December, shortly really before Christmas, and the regular season is out ending in the middle of 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 May. I mean, this would typically be the second round for the Raptors, which is generally speaking when the Raptors have gone out except for that time they, you know, won the championship great time in the city and things like this. Um so it's not necessarily a super long off season, it's more like a regular off season for them, but um I think, you know, there will be a lot of time to fill and I think you probably get to miss them. I mean, to be honest, I already missed this club already. Um, I think the part you miss the most is like you haven't really seen this club together in full since I don't even know. It feels like since that one Denver game, right, when they had the all-women's broadcast, which is you know, one of the undeniable highlights of the season, um, and they still had Norm, and they had everybody for that one game, and they washed the Nuggets. They destroyed them. Um, and then, yeah, since then, it's sort of been really, really odd. It's it's kind of been like a fog in a way, but... Um, yeah, it's just uh you you will miss them though. I think I really do truly believe that when when they come back next season, you know, hopefully it's in Toronto. Um again, listen, people, please be responsible and get your vaccines uh and things like this. I don't want to turn it into a PSA, but like get your vaccine, man. I mean, I think it's available to most people at this point. Yeah. Um yeah, get it done. Make some safe responses. Make make some safe decisions out there. And you know, if we can do that collectively as a city, we probably have a much higher chance of um, of getting the Raptors to return. Of course, it's not just on the people; it's also on the governments. But in, in any case, um, yeah, hopefully, when they return next season, you know, I'll just have a better year. Um, I think everyone has sort of spoken about it, and um, I think there's tangible things to like critique about the club. Like, I think in this season, when you look back on it. You, you When you say, well, listen, Fred and Pascal had to do more of the heavy lifting as primary guys, and were they great at it? No. They had some really good moments, but they also had some really down moments. Of course, they had COVID, and so that really impacts how you evaluate. But, you know, some of it was pre-COVID as well. How did the Raptors start 2 and 8 um, How did the Raptors, uh, you know, struggle through a lot of the year? And a lot of the big moments, why were the Raptors so bad in crunch time? These are things that you got to really think about it and you can evaluate beyond sort of the extenuating factors and those things won't just magically evaporate once the raptors, you know, return to Toronto. But um I think that's fine. That's a basketball conversation, but I think what I'm looking forward to next season is just like not having as many of these um, offshoots in terms of extenuating circumstances focusing so much on that, right? It's focusing so much on like, you know, how, you know, how weird was Tampa for them or how tough it was to relocate or um, what was it like having opposing fans, or like, you know, your building being invaded? Or, because, um, you know, every single night was like, you know, when the Pistons would play the Raptors. And, um, you know, uh, obviously COVID you know, impacting things and, and sort of the weirdness of the season. Like, hopefully we just have like a more regular season um, next year. And we'll, I want to see what the Raptors are about. But um, as for this game itself, you know, it was. Uh, Again, they played with six guys. I mean, the last few games, they've really been dwindling down. They've been—it's been like a countdown to midnight on New Year's, where you have like nine guys available, and then it's eight, and then it's six, it's a seven, and then it's six. Like if they played one more game. They really would have put five guys on the floor and, and played them all forty-eight minutes and hope to God that nobody uh, committed to six fouls, because like that's really what it was at. But then the season. But I mean, I think people really want to just pack up and want to go and. That's fair. It's fair. I think the Raptors, you know, I asked Fred about sort of the plan of the offseason. And I think that, you know, obviously permitting COVID and if they can make everything safe, they're probably going to try to, you know, go to those summer runs, you know, in L.A. with Rico Hines and, you know, put a lot of that stuff together. And that's something that Fred talked about, too, is just like because that wasn't able to happen last year, a lot of those younger guys, you know, started off the curve slowly. Um, You know, I think, you know, Malachi and Jalen, both of those guys started their careers very slowly in their rookie years. Uh, until they got to the G League, got a chance to play, got their feet wet, and then when they came back, there were different players, and we saw impressive moments from both those guys. Um, and I think that, yeah, that, that that continuity, that sort of chemistry, that sort of a signature about how, the way the Raptors play, um, is totally different. And 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 so hopefully they can get that summer development, and they can get that work in, and and add some young pieces through the draft and things like this. They got three picks. They got the. Uh, we'll see what happens in the lottery, but you know they got their own pick. And then they got uh, two picks in the second round that they got from Matt Thomas and Terrence Davis, which will be probably in the mid-40s, I think. I haven't checked the standings yet. so um, But mid-40s picks, solid picks. Um, and you add some of these guys, and you you try to make a go at it again. So um, in terms of this game itself, for the last game of the season, if I had to pick three stars, <laughs> this is tough, man. Again, this three stars is half the team. So... Um, you know, make of this what you will. I would say the first star for me was was Malachi. Um, 27 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, a block. I think second half performance was really nice from him. It was good to see him bounce back. I think there were legitimate times where he struggled with TJ McConnell. And McConnell had a great game, by the way. 17 assists and 40 minutes off the bench. That's, that's unbelievable. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, first off, there's actually a lot of things that I think Flynn could learn from McConnell, which you might say, what? What are you saying? You're learning from T.J. McConnell? That sounds so, like, below people, and that's fair. I, I think that, like, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, when you think, well, learn from a guy, it's like, learn from Kyle Lowry, learn from Chris Paul, learn from, like, Steph Curry, or whatever. Like, that's fine, but I think T.J. McConnell, honestly, is a guy that a lot of people should respect, and I know a lot of the Raptors respect him, too, because, like, he does a lot of stuff, man. He's very tough. He's played, He guards really hard. He, You know, he's really into the ball. Like, he's, like, leads the league in, like, backcourt steals. Um, And he does a really good job of just, like, being aggressive and playing on the catch. And, like, even if the first pick and roll doesn't necessarily create something, he loves to gnash it out, goes across the paint, is patient, and he just picks out the right pass. I mean, literally, he had 17 assists tonight. How could you say that wasn't impressive? Um... And, yeah, I think he even got the better of Flynn, I think, for, you know, long portions of the game. But I, I like the way Flynn responded. And, um, yeah, Flynn's going to get my first star here. Uh, and, a, again, a great job by <laughs> Coach Fred to uh, put that adjustment in. It, it made a lot of sense because um, hand-to-hand combat with with uh, TJ McConnell is just not going to go well for for, for Malachi. Or from honestly, most most point guards. Their um, second star tonight is going to go to DeAndre Bembry, 23 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals, 42 minutes. I think Bembry really got them in the game early. Uh, he, he really had a nice stretch there scoring. Again, I, I said earlier in the podcast, I admitted I didn't really watch much of the first quarter because I was too busy celebrating the fact that my keeper scored in the 95th minute to pull him even with William on the season with goals. In any case... Um, uh, yeah, Bembry he had a nice stretch. And honestly, I mean, if, you know, I saw some of the highlights, like, yeah, of course, Bembry's really just good at slashing inside and finishing, you know. Um, <laughs> it was odds See, can play against Karis LeVert. They actually have weirdly similar games. I think LeVert obviously has more scoring ability and his three-point shooting has improved. And the jumper is just not fair for Bembry. But when they go drive to the rim and finish, they kind of both have that weird, awkward angle, leaning um finishes and then when they put so much pressure downhill at the basket that's when they can sort of kick out and create some work on their assists and yeah memory's been very solid i really wouldn't mind if memory was kept around next season he's probably not gonna shoot 22 shots uh, ever again um but he was not bad 23 points is not bad for him and then your third star um you can give it to ken birch 18 and 14 with four assists you know didn't hit a three but uh had to do a lot of, you know, um, work in the, around the basket. You can give it to Stanley, 24 points, uh, got to the free throw line a ton, turned the ball over a lot. But honestly, I'm going to give it to Aaron Baines. I thought Baines was pretty solid off the bench once again, man. I, I have to look this up. This is only Aaron Baines' second double-double of the season. I, I know I know plenty of folks who have two double-doubles from Tim Hortons like, in, a, in one day, um, including my dad probably. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is the second double double of the season. Obviously, it has not been what Aaron Baines envisioned this season from him, for himself, and I don't think obviously any fans um, have 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 appreciated what he's done outside of the fan account. But um, fourteen to ten came in, banged some threes, played some small forward. Uh, you know, made some good plays defensively. Um, you know, I mean, I, listen, if Baines played like this all these season, I don't think anyone would have complained, but uh. Yeah, it, you know it is what it is, but it was very amusing watching a three center lineup, and by amusing, I mean like I could feel a tremor in the ground as um, Doctor James Naismith rolled in his grave because I don't think he really intended for the game of basketball to invent to be invented so that Aaron Baines can play small forward and come around, you know, curls like like Clay Thompson. But uh, you know, that's that's hey, listen, that's that's what was that's what was happening in the last game of the year, and we can um, look back at this season. Um, by not looking back at it at all, really. You're going to read my piece tomorrow uh, about uh, the weirdness of this year, and um, you're going to try to forget it because that's the best way to remember the season. And then, in terms of your Gerald Henderson award winner, that's got to go to O'Shea Brissett. Uh, 31 points. I believe that's a career high for him. 10 rebounds, 3 assists. If it's not a career high, it's probably close to it. But, um, yeah, O'Shea played awesome. He really was awesome. He's very... uh, His 3-point shot was was great. 5 of 8 from uh, 3... stroke looks very smooth, and, and honestly, like, he's just got a good hustle game otherwise, right, like, he, he gets to the right spots, you know, he, he's obviously a guy who plays with a lot of energy, Um and his, his scoring touch is not excellent, I think, like, in a half-court setting, you could definitely stop him, but if the three-point shot is real, I mean, that's, that's you know, that's halfway there to being an NBA player these days, is if you can have a reliable three on the catch-and-shoot, and with some size, with some athleticism, O'Shea, you know I'm happy for him, and I'm you know I'm I'm hope that obviously I mean he's got the long term contract now from Indiana, so he's going to stick around, and yeah, good for him. And again, the Raptors probably could have kept him, but you know it's uh it's, it's a bit of a loss on that front. But um, that does for the podcast. I want to say thank you, uh, a very very sincere thank you to everybody, um for for listening, for for watching, for um sharing the podcast. I think uh, you know first off, for people who know, I mean, obviously the, the podcast does not end literally tomorrow, me and Josh. At noon, we'll be taking calls. Um, noon Eastern, we'll be taking calls from fans uh, to wrap up the season. Uh, we've seen a lot of the players speak at the end of, uh, to, to close the year. Uh, we'll, we'll hear Nick Nurse speak tomorrow morning as well. And so we'll take calls then. But, you know, obviously the podcast will continue in the offseason. We will be doing the weekly podcast. Uh, we'll be looking at the draft. We'll be looking at lottery, probably be looking a lot at Canada basketball, hopefully if there's a summer league we'll be covering summer league, if there is, um, obviously free agency, we'll be touching a lot on free agency, and, you know, so the podcast will not stop, like, it'll literally keep going, um, but I wanted to say, especially for the end of the season, that, you know, it's it's a huge appreciation, um, to everyone who's been listening, um, like, yeah, I think it's year... So I, I know I just I just wrote 10 things and it was definitely year six for 10 things. I think it was year five for the podcast. But um, no, seriously, like it's 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 been an incredible um, run. And it's, it's one of the things I enjoy the most um, is to do this podcast. I think at first it was like literally I would sneak off in the, the score office to, to record on my phone after <laughs> Raptors games. And I'll do like 13, 14 minutes uh, just on my phone. Hopefully, my boss didn't notice. If I did, I'm sorry, guys, but you know, I was also a good worker there. Don't lie, but uh, <laughs> but in any case, um, that's where it started. Obviously, at Raps Republic, and of course, a huge thank you to them for giving that platform in the first place. They, you know, didn't have a post game podcast, and um, I, I tried to step in and fill that void, and uh, that that did work out. Um, and that's extended over to to this. And you know, this year has been odd because obviously you know it's been the pandemic and so i've been home this whole time doing it from like this weird little living room area and i think some people have asked questions in the comments about like why is the door um in the corner there wedged by the couch that is a closet and the there's yeah i don't know we just the alignment of the room is weird so we just move the couch back and forth when we need to go in the closet not a lot in there that i really you know use on a daily basis in any case um i want to say a huge thank you to everyone for listening um it's fun It it is really fun to to come on here and talk and i know a lot of people um show a lot of love to it i mean i'll sometimes you know I, on these like 10, 10 p.m starts on the west coast like i'll finish and i'll we'll put it up at like one thirty and like two o'clock and there's like six people already commenting being like yo i waited up to, to i couldn't sleep until i get this i mean to you people you need some help and like <laughs> i hope you weren't serious about it but uh no i really do appreciate it i think that uh you know, it's 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 never lost on me like how much of this career is built off of just like support from fans. And again, I'm I I, I never never not saw myself as a fan, uh, even though technically I'm supposed to be a professional journalist who's you know maintaining objectivity. I mean, please, if if you know if you've seen anything from journalism in the last like I don't know uh, 150 years, um, it has not been objective to say the least but uh no i mean I, again i just have to say a huge thank you and listen man it's blue jays time okay all right it's time to hop on the jays bandwagon all right i've hopped on the jays bandwagon i really find myself like watching a lot of jays games this year obviously that's part of it because the raptors have been ass, and it's a pandemic so i got plenty of time to watch tv but listen man the jays are going for um <laughs> the jays are going for their second consecutive playoff run yes technically they were in the playoffs last year they played like two games and uh, my guy, uh, you know, Ryu, got, got blown up uh, in the first game. That was unfortunate to watch. Um, yeah, But, yeah, I mean, they're going for it again. Obviously, they're operating out of Florida. Uh, clearly, all of Toronto's teams are in Florida. TFC is in Florida. Uh, J- Raptors are in Florida. Raptors are, in, you know, we're in Florida. You know, we'll see what happens with the Leafs. You know, go Leafs go as well. But, you know, quite honestly, I, I am a Jays fan second. And, um, yeah, man, Jays, listen, they're five games over five hundred, twenty-two and seventeen. You know the offense is looking pretty solid. They definitely got a lot of names in that lineup. Uh, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. must be—I don't know this for sure because I haven't been on Fangraphs in a minute. But um, is he is he is he the best player? Is he the best hitter in the league right now? Because uh, I, I, every time I literally turn on the TV, this guy's hitting a home run. He's hit what ten home runs already? How many home runs has he hit already, man? Yeah, ten home runs. He's got. He's, what? he's wow, at 4, 436 on base, 579 slugging. Okay, so we've literally got Vladdy Guerrero Sr. on the team now. That's that's awesome to watch. Um so he you know, Vladdy's found his power. Uh the pitching staff's got to get healthy, okay? A lot of guys on the on, on the bench uh for the Jays right now who aren't available, but um you know, that's that's where we're going to be at unfortunately is uh the Raptors' Bowed out early, so we need some of the other teams to step up here. So, good luck on the, to the Leafs on their uh, Stanley Cup run. We'll see. I mean, is the border even open? So, they're going to have to play more Canadian teams. You know, have to, it, listen, I, I really want to believe in the Leafs. I really do. But, like, I've only seen them play, like, f- seven other teams this whole year. It's hard to say how that's going to translate to the rest of the thing. Although, I, I, I do think, what, Matthews has, like, 40 goals. So, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and then, yeah, the, the Jays, TFC, you know, the, people got to step up and... Uh, and carry the, the, the Toronto name because the Raptors this year couldn't really do it, unfortunately. But uh, hopefully they'll be back better and stronger. So, for me, I'll be back tomorrow <laughs> to take calls. So, I look forward to that. And to everyone else, uh, again, thanks once again. And uh, that ends the very, very cursed 2021 season from Tampa Bay. Thanks everyone for listening.